Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, the Westside Personalized Podcast is back uh, for year two of my uh, time being in the personalized learning collaborator role here for Westside Community Schools. And I'm, I'm excited for the first podcast of the year to be with my good buddy Bo Schwenka here, who uh, we're going to talk a little bit about personalization uh, and biology and, yeah, just getting a chance to uh, see how he started his semester, really, uh, with a personalized learning unit. And so, uh, Bo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. It's good to be here. Yeah, and uh, if you would kind of tell people listening in, I guess, a little bit about kind of your, your history in education and, and your experiences. Uh, well, like Andrew said, I teach science. This is my fourth year with Westside. I spent the first two years over at uh, the West Campus building, and then I spent last year up here at the high school, and so now this is my second year up here. Learned a lot trying to do the personalization stuff over at West Campus mainly because with the dynamic of students over there, you have a lot of students in a lot of different areas and a lot of different levels, and trying to make sure everyone still gets something out of it when you aren't real sure what everyone's had before and where everyone's at with the content knowledge uh, came down to having to try a lot of different things. This is my first time trying something personalized over here at the main campus and wanted to give it a shot and see how it went for a unit that I thought we could put it in fairly easily. And so, yeah, talked to Andrew last year and we just went for it. So I was going to say this like unit sort of had an interesting development in that you taught it last year for the first time. And near the end of that, you're like, we could totally personalize this thing. And we met to talk about it in more of a revision sense last year. Uh, and so then when you revisited it this year, kind of to bring people into the the design aspect on the front end. I know you met with Kristen Hogan, who's also one of our personalized learning collaborators here at Westside. So yeah, just where did this where did this start? Maybe even in terms of why why, why this unit? Uh, this is our chemistry unit, and I teach biology, so we don't spend a whole lot of time in chemistry, and we don't go a whole lot in depth into it. But with biology, we need our kids to know the basics for chemistry, and so we do have to touch on it a little bit. And what I found last year, and the reason I wanted to personalize it, is a lot of it is doing a couple examples together and then having the kids try it on their own. Well, I had some kids that needed a lot of extra help and needed me to do more examples with them. And I had some kids that they, they did one example and they're like, I got this, this is good to go, let's roll. And it was really kind of hard in a just teacher-led section to manage both of those types of students. And what I typically found is that I was either going too fast for some people or I was going too slow and some of the kids were getting a little bit bored. So wanted to go back and try to find a way that I could let the kids go at their own pace and that way everyone could move through it the way they needed to instead of me just trying to manage that all from the front of the room. Yeah, I think that's one of the places a lot of people as they're looking at personalized learning. Um, I was in a conversation yesterday even with some teachers at Hillside Elementary about, you know, where do you start? Uh, and some people say, well, it's in a place where it's kind of just stale. Uh, it's something that I know uh, Mark Weichel, our assistant superintendent, brings up. Like, find that place where things are flat um, and kind of bring it to life. Or if there's already rich differentiation. Uh, and I, I'm with you, too, that I think another, like, entry point is that pace. Like, when students can move ahead uh, or should be able to move ahead and can't in the traditional format, giving them the opportunity to do that. 
uh, is important. And so regardless, you know, you might be listening in, into this podcast going, well, I don't teach biology or I don't teach science, but I think that's an experience that we all kind of run into at different points in whatever course you're teaching. And so to try to address that pace piece, what was kind of your vision for, because I've been in, I was in the design process, I got to see your class too, but just kind of talk maybe about the stations and maybe how that uh, played out to allow people to have control over pace. So with the chemistry unit, there ended up being four stations, kind of five, one of them had two parts. And with that, one of the stations we went through was just vocab. Some kids had never heard of any of the words we were saying before and they just needed to, I mean, I, I feel like you have to know what a word means before you can actually use it. And yeah. so they didn't have any idea what the words meant like we already talked about them in large group but if they needed more time to get down like what are we actually talking about they could start at vocab it's very like knowledge comprehension yeah. level like yeah yeah and then moving on to we kind of went in a little bit of an order on things that are important to us and so one of those is kind of how to read the periodic table and what the boxes on the periodic table tell you how to do uh, Lewis dot structures which is just showing you where where the valence electrons or outer electrons and bonding can be used and it's important that the kids know how to do that because then the main part of that unit is bonding and how things bond together so we covered two types of bonds and so they could kind of choose where they wanted to go and the only ones that had to go in order is you had to learn to draw the structures uh, before you could bond them because you needed to know what they looked like and a few of the rules on how they would bond together uh, before you could actually do the bonding but other than that, they were allowed to go through and decide what order they wanted to do them in. Kristen was great. She uh, let me borrow an iPad. I was hoping that maybe she'd just forget about it and I'd get to keep it. Um, <laughs> well, I just picked that up though a minute ago for you. Yeah, yeah she, she remembered yeah. and she took it back, so that was sad. I'll have to go find, <laughs> find a new iPad. But I tried my hand at explain everything. She kind of helped me work through that. And so I was able to take the kid's packet and actually, instead of showing different examples I was able to show the examples directly from their packet and work through those and I'd, I'd start out in the video and I'd walk through how to do the first two examples in the packet and then I would have them try the last five on their own and that was kind of how the video stations were set up and then each day for the kids that wanted to learn directly from the teacher and they learned best that way I had desks set up at the front of the room and I would choose one station each day and we would just direct instruct that. So I probably had, in one class, I think I had two people interested in that. In one class, I think I had seven or eight. And then mm -hmm. the rest were kind of working on their own. So it hit kind of both parts. And uh, we would essentially do at the front of the room exactly what the videos would do. So yep. um, they were able to choose which way they learned best. And if they ever were ready for the next one, even if they were up front, they could then just pull up the video and move on to the next station and get through it that way. Okay, so to, like for me at least to recap this in, so there's a, um, and put all this together, as far as personalization goes, we're personalizing the pace in which we go through these five stations, which again you said our vocab would be one, mm -hmm. just breaking, like can you read the periodic table is two, and then three is, gosh, dot structure. Yeah, drawing our Lewis dot structure. Lewis dot structure, okay, I can tell I'm not a science background guy. Uh, and then your the bonding had kind of two, it was a single station with two parts to it, yep. right? And they could progress through those those five. And so then with that, though, so that's its own personalized piece, but then also to have like in your vision, and I think this is important because sometimes with a personalized learning uh, unit or, or dedicating time to doing any sort of personalization, we'll put so much stuff online that we don't all, like as a teacher, and you should be have times in class, I think, where you can go and have rich conversations and extend their learning from a video or from what they're reading. 
but for you to still include direct instruction as an option, like that's a personalized piece as well. Do you prefer to learn? And I heard it when I came into your class and got the, uh, to watch you, like, or deliberate about having that conversation with them and say, hey, if you learn best from being up here, you know, like at the front, uh, being here live, do that. But the video is also an option. And I love that there's a consistency across those two. Like you said, same problems in pretty much the same way you would teach it. Uh, and students get to pick. And uh, it's interesting, too, that, like you said, because I did something similar whenever I was in the English classroom. And there were certain class periods where no one would come up. Per, and then the next class is like eight people. And it just uh, depends on, you know, their preferences. And so that's kind of cool. What what were some of the takeaways then that you feel like you had, like having experienced this compared to what you went through the first year, I guess? A few of the takeaways that I noticed, and I, I think some of the kids really appreciated being able to learn in a smaller group. The, those kids that wanted to do the, the teacher-led stuff, they, they liked that now I'm only teaching to three to eight people instead of 25 people. That way when they have a question, they don't feel bad or they're not shy about raising their hand and asking a question because I can get to them right away versus sometimes uh, when, the, when the whole group's together, maybe that person's shy and doesn't want to admit that they have a problem. But I felt like I was getting uh, more legitimate questions uh, from students who were struggling than I do when I'm doing it in front of the whole class and was able to keep four or five kids engaged with it versus trying to keep 25 kids engaged with it. And then as far as the video pieces go, I've, I had kids that were flying through it and got through everything really quickly. Uh, and then I even had students that appreciated it being online because they weren't there for a day. And so that way they didn't necessarily feel like they missed out. They were able to go back and already know what they had to catch up on. Uh, some of the kind of go-getter students would come back and be like, hey, I had a couple open mods yesterday. I didn't have any homework, so I went ahead and just finished up a couple other stations. So they even worked ahead. And probably the biggest challenge was keeping track of where everybody was at mm -hmm. without them being right in front. But we had little check for understanding quizzes. There were just three questions that were basic questions like they might see on a quiz. And so we just give them three questions. We're like, all right, here's what you're doing this station. Put your notes away. Show me that you can do these three. And that way, it was three, I could easily look at it in a matter of seconds and be like, all right, you got it, and give them a stamp. I'm like, okay, you, you showed that you know what you're doing, and I trust that when the actual test for this comes, you've already shown that you know how to do it. And so that helped kind of keep me aware of where everybody in the room was at. I think that's a big piece, too, that I've not seen in other examples. And so I think that's cool that you sort of anticipated wanting to have that piece in there and found a way to facilitate that, that to move from station to station, that there would be some sort of account, yeah, accountability uh, before you go on to the next like part, especially because the concept sort of builds as you go like station to station. You can't go to the next one, like you said, <clears throat> unless you feel like you really understood the previous. Uh, and so you had like half sheets of paper, I noticed, that were all different colors. Yep. Um, and so were those different problems then, depending on what color the sheet was? Yeah, so each station, well, except for the vocabulary one, the vocabulary one, we just kind of had our check be online. Quizlet has a gravity game they can play, and so mm -hmm. I made them get to level three. So it was pretty easy for that one. I figured by the time they got level three, they'd probably been asked about every term on there. <laughs> we only had about yeah. we only had about twelve different vocab words, so that was pretty easy. Uh, then the other ones, yeah, it was a half sheet of paper, and then there were three colors for each one, and we we did that because uh, we told the kids you can work together, but you can't quiz together. So. Yeah. Uh, just kind of as our deterrent from one person taking it and just going and telling everyone what's on it. We had three different colors and uh, for each station, and each color had different problems on it that were all similar in what they'd see, but it was just kind of our way of controlling, like, 
right, do you actually know what's going on or are you just listening to your friend and copying right. your friend? And and that was kind of the case sometimes where they'd do it together and somebody would just kind of copy what was in their friend's packet and be like, all right, I'm ready for this. Okay, put your notes away. Like, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> yep. I, can't, I can't use that. Or they'd sit down with their friend to take it and they'd look and be like, oh, dang it. Our, problem, right. our problems aren't the same. <laughs> so I, I still can't just like copy yours or anything. So yeah. it, it worked pretty well to help keep them truly accountable instead of mm-hmm. them just trying to copy their friends because there's in every classroom there's always those people that hey why don't you do the work and i'll just take credit for it too yeah i thought that was a great piece because there was one i saw that moment play out whenever i was in there because there's three students sitting at a table and when you came up and just laid down the blue red and like whatever it was yellow different pages and they're sort of looking at it and looking at their neighbors and realizing they're not the same and having that like moment of like oh i am going to be accountable yeah for for making sure that i demonstrate that i know this and uh uh, that was just, it was, that was a great piece. I just think that's really cool that you like added that. Um, so you also said earlier though that some students sort of flew through things and got, you know, obviously ahead. And I think that's a concern sometimes, or at least a design concern as people on the front are going, what the heck are we going to do with the people that finish early? Just out of curiosity, what, what, how did that work for you? And if it didn't, like, I think it took me a while too to figure out like how quickly people would get through things and then what they could potentially do once they got there. Uh, being the first time through, we didn't have a whole lot planned for that, mainly because we knew it was the weird weeks with Labor Day weekend coming up, so yeah. we missed Friday and we missed the next Monday, so we knew our quiz was also going to incorporate a different part, and so they didn't actually have to have it all done last week. They had a little bit of <coughs> this week to get it done as well, and what I kind of did this time was if they were all the way done, I encouraged them to go find somebody that was struggling mm-hmm. and help them. Uh, as, as any teacher knows, understanding the content is one thing and understanding it well enough that you can explain it to somebody else for them to get it is another. So I kind of encourage them and help them get some practice if they could maybe go help one of their friends out and teach it to one of their friends. Going forward, I'd maybe have some challenge pieces to it with bonding. I, I know we have the capability, we have models and stuff like that, where I could get a couple model kits out and be like, all right, so now you know how to do this, here's your challenge, and give them a molecule and be like, why don't you bond this together with our model? And kind of give them some other things to keep them entertained that way and still use what we just learned and kind of put it all together. But with running out of time to get all that stuff ready, um, yeah, I, I just encourage, like, hey, go help a friend. Yeah. I, I can't get to all 26 people at the same time, so if you're all the way done, like, if you know something and you're, you're friends with that person, go try to teach it to somebody else, and you'll truly understand if you know it by if you can explain it to one of your classmates. I think that's great. I know at Oakdale uh, in sixth grade there, they do a lot of personalized learning, and they will pre-test and find that some students already know the concepts that they're about to get into, and uh, they do that quite a bit, where those students then during that time will... Uh, I worked with four students on making uh, video instruction for the content that they were going through. Or, excuse me, I videotaped as a couple of students led. They actually split their group and had one student leading a math lesson while another student was leading English. And they just sort of had, were doing it all based upon like test scores and what they, because there is, there's a lot to that, to be able to confidently know what you're talking about enough to articulate to someone else in a way that they uh, can benefit and grow from it and get past their own sticking points. I think it's probably where a lot of that, like, oh, that was a challenge for you, or oh, that's that's really the part that, and finding ways to word that to bridge that gap in understanding is it is a challenge. Um, so that's pretty cool as well. What uh, so having gone through this, let's just be selfish for a minute. So as a teacher, like 
Did you enjoy it? Was it like a little bit more like frustrating? I feel like on the front end, there's a lot more work. Yeah, front end was very frustrating, uh, mainly because I have never tried to make a video before, mm -hmm. and I didn't know how any of that worked. And as everyone knows, you usually don't necessarily like the sound of your own voice when it's playing back. <laughs> so as, as that's yep. as that's playing back, I had to kind of get used to that. I had many students ask, like, "Is that you talking?" I'm like, yeah. How can you stand to listen to that so many times? Like, they're like, I hate when I hear my own voice. Like, well, yeah, you get used to it after a while. I hey, I've to been editing this podcast for the better part of yeah, yeah this year, and I'm with you. I, every time I go through this, I'm like, uh, so I quirky. had to get. I had to figure out how to make those videos, and I'm a little bit of of a perfectionist. So like, I'd go back and rewatch the videos. I'm like, gosh, this this doesn't. I don't know if this is gonna get it done, but then I just kind of share them with team members and make. Hey, I think that looks fine and. As soon as I kind of got the green light there, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put it away. Like, we got to move on. But <laughs> right. the, the front end was a little bit stressful being the first time and not really knowing what I was doing to try to get all those videos and stuff organized. Mm -hmm. But after that happened and a couple classes, I screwed up maybe not explaining it the best on how this was going to work. So, so it, it, it yeah, it, it turned into a little bit of chaos in a couple sections. But the classes that once I kind of learned that and was able to explain it well and they were they understood what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to do it. it it ran really smoothly i mean the kids were able to work on their own i was able to kind of teach my thing for the 10 minutes that i was going to teach and then i was able to bounce around and go see where everyone was at and kind of help out when anyone had questions and it, it really opened up me to being able to go talk to kids during class yes. rather than trying to talk at all the kids i was able to have more one-on-one -on -one conversations which was really nice and once it got up, I knew what we were doing for the entire week. I didn't have to like walk in that morning and be like, all right, so what do, copies. Yeah, what do I, what do I got to get ready for today? It's like everything was already ready yeah. and I was able to just understand where people were already at. And one thing I'd probably go back and change for organizational piece for myself that I kind of did late in the game is I would have just printed off a list and just put a check mark every time somebody got done with a unit that mm. I kept that I could see it on their paper, but that doesn't always help me out when I'm like, all right, where's everyone at in this class? I didn't quite have that in front of me at all the, all time. So that that's one thing I'll, I'll do in the future is just kind of have a checklist with their names and then being able to put a check mark under what stations they've completed just to help me stay a little more organized and see that before I walk into a class. Yeah, that's something that Kevin Cook, I know, as he got into something similar with his math class, uh, that he said after his first run, he's like, yeah, I probably want to put a little checklist together so I, I know where people are at. And just a couple of the other points that you brought up there, I know because I love making instructional videos, but at first there was such a curve. Not a, not a, I want to make that sound like it's not worth trying because it's actually kind of fun to learn how to do that stuff, but it can be a little frustrating because you have to, you have to kind of develop your skills with it, and then once you have that, it, it gets a lot faster. Like once you've done like two or three, and, and you kind of get in a rhythm of what that looks like. Yeah, after after the first couple, I'd agree with that. It, it did go significantly faster. Even though I did get called out for one of my issues, my handwriting's terrible. It always, it always has been. Same. Yeah. My, I always say mine's legible, but it's hideous. Yeah. So. And, and mine's, yeah, mine's just not good. And I always tell kids that, which is why whenever they're like, why don't you just write it up on the board or draw it? I'm like, well, I can't draw. I got voted worst artist in uh, my parent in college um, for a homework assignment we were supposed to do for that. Um, then my handwriting's always been bad, so I told them, like, I'm going to type as much as I can so you can actually read it. Well, then having to try to write things on an iPad while making the video, uh, the handwriting really wasn't that great. And one, one girl called me over yesterday and goes, hey, next time before you make one of these videos, you want to, like, 
try to figure out how you can actually write so I can read it. <laughs> I'm like, well, that was a little bit mean. But, um, so instead, I just I just asked her. I go, well, how about this? You can come in, and I'll just That's tell you what, what to gonna... write, and you yes. can you can write it on the iPad for me. And yes. she didn't seem thrilled with that idea, but that, that's probably the biggest complaint I've gotten in the videos is that the handwriting has been bad and well that's well don't beat yourself I, up. I, I admit is that it, every day isn't this the nature of teaching though and, and I have this conversation with Steph Hefke and Steph Heitman on their podcast too but that good teachers will go in and rock like 95% of a lesson or 90 like whatever it is things, and they'll go home upset about the 5% you know like well if only my handwriting had been better or if only and I just think it's it's cool your vision for how this was all going to play out it's awesome that you like put the timing on the front end to set it all up and that to that piece too I agree uh, it does take a lot more work but gosh once that once you hit play essentially and that thing goes for the one week two weeks four weeks whatever you have it set up for it is so nice to come into school and not really have to worry about lesson planning or printing things off or uh, sure, you're going to be reflective and modify things if, if you run into an error or something that you need to troubleshoot. But for the most part, you like reap the time that you put in on the front end, like over a longer stretch that is kind of nice. Yeah, for sure. And it also helps out like even grading stuff as I'm going around and being able to stamp that they know what they're doing. I put the stamp on their paper if I collect their packets at the end because I mean, we're going to give them credit for having to do the work in the class, even though uh, that the real end goal is how well they do on the quiz on it um, we're still going to give them the homework credit and everything and it, it's really easy for me to know what they got if I look at their packet and see four stamps on it then I know that they finished everything and they know how to do it so mm -hmm. that that really kind of takes my grading out of it right then and there I mean I'm, they prove they can do it and I already checked that off so the grading, yeah. the grading even at the end will be pretty easy as well um, for those of them that followed the directions and actually went through and were doing the checks as they went. That's cool. And, and if I even run through like our five elements of things, not to get too like cheesy by breaking it down <laughs> by the, uh, by the model or the like status quo. But so I'm hearing like knowing your students, you get an opportunity, like you said a minute ago to teach for 10 minutes and then actually go and have one-on-one -on -one dialogue about extending their learning rather than just giving them knowledge and comprehension stuff at the front for a time. Um, you're using data the whole time. Right, like, the, like where are you at? Some check for understanding here. You got to move to the next. Like, I need to know that you know this before you can move to the next piece. Um, you need to know whether you know it or not, too. And so, I mean, that's influencing what's going on. Uh, they've got choice with regards to whether they get direct instruction or like access that stuff through video. Uh, and then, like flexibility, of course, like the pacing, like is that flexibility right with these different stations and groups? And again, like what instruction? So we're still making choices. Uh, and your ability to say, hey, let's do some tech integration. We're going to be on Quizlet, you know, for some of these assessments. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and learn how to do it, explain everything, bad handwriting or not. <laughs> like, <Bad handwriting>. uh, <laughs> pick that up. And so when you really start to look across the breadth of the things that we try to focus in on with personalized learning, when those elements work together, it's pretty awesome. It makes for a great learning experience. So I, can, I see all that stuff in what you're doing. That's great. Yeah. And we're also doing a little bit of a comparison. And this is had to do with more uh, circumstances outside of the classroom than anything, but uh, a couple of the biology teachers... Yeah, pretty excited are, for this. Yeah, this is a, good. A couple of the biology teachers went with the more traditional way. Like, they they chose to still use the check for understandings, and they chose to uh, use the videos. Like, if a, student, if a student missed a class, then they'd be like, hey, refer back to this video, and you can get caught up. Uh, but they, they did the more traditional, just teacher-led approach uh, with the similar stuff versus our student 
choice approach and we're gonna compare I mean everyone gets the same quiz on Friday and we're gonna kind of check to see how how we compare uh, with that I mean I know their their concerns when kind of watching our class was well I saw a few kids in the back of the room and they weren't necessarily working on anything and and that is a battle that um, you always I feel like you're always gonna have to fight when given those but my argument and uh, Erica Codina was the other teacher that went kind of all in on trying to do this and our argument is kind of well just because you're teaching and a kid looks like they're looking at the board doesn't mean that they're actually mm -hmm. focused on it and trying so we're going to kind of compare and see what we get as far as quiz results and be able to see if there's a difference if there's not a difference and truthfully being our first time through this I'd maybe expect our scores to be a little bit lower just and that's that's from uh, my perspective of maybe not getting everything explained well enough to get them going or like I said maybe not having that organizational piece to keep track of where everyone's at going on there that it, it could to start I know I just know there's some things I want to change for next year uh, might be a little bit lower but we're hoping that we see at least similar results mm -hmm. in year one and then we can worry about how to maybe catch some of those kids that are trying to slack off and get them up because if we can do that I, I could see us going even better results for year two because it does put more pressure it does put more pressure on on the kids I feel like to be responsible for their learning than just listening to the teacher and writing down exactly what the teacher says yeah so. well and I know that's something that we've um, I don't know Jim Rickabaugh who's kind of the father of personalized learning has done uh, a lot of work and research and said that the test scores end up being about the same when they've had like opportunities like that at least at first because you're also building like an agency piece that the ability to work autonomously uh, and to make those decisions uh, and all those choices that you've afforded them like over a no long enough timeline will lead to just better in any subject right like scores and, and uh, practices so that's pretty awesome uh, you heard the bell on there so it's probably time for us to get going because I know you got class coming up but thank you so much Bo for your time for trying to personalize learning unit and sharing your story with us today yeah Andrew thanks for having me on it's, it was fun to try and I look forward to seeing how I can adjust this one for next year and then trying to do a few more in the future. Yeah, if you do anything else this year, let us know and we'll uh, run our conversation back and, and see where that goes. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.